1: Welcome back. This is the Big Blue Banter New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier, joined as always by my co host Nick Filato. And this week it is Senior Bowl week. Normally, Nick himself would be down in Mobile watching the practice tape, meeting with some players, and doing a lot of fun things that you do down there at the Senior Bowl. This year is not a normal year. So instead, Nick is up here in New Jersey. He's had the practice film sent to him, so he's got a little inside scoop on the film. And I'm coming to you for this podcast having watched the Senior Bowl week, the practices at least, on ESPNU they've been live broadcasted there some great coverage there from some of the ESPN personalities draft analysts and things of that like so we thought we would do a little recap show of the senior bowl practices the three practices Nick has taken the time to dive into the film I've watched what I've seen from TV and from that angle Um, obviously You know they've broadcasted it from the broadcast angle and it's been pretty cool to watch the senior bowl this week so we wanted to take some time to break down some of the prospects at the senior bowl specifically because the giants are a team that values the senior bowl a lot they're a team that has a general manager who believes it's important to draft players who stand out the senior bowl among their peers because again they're competing against some of the best seniors in the nation um so Without further ado, let's dive right into the action. I want to start with the weigh-ins at the Senior Bowl because a lot of these players obviously had no idea what to expect from a size, weight, wingspan, arm-like, hand size standpoint until they actually got down to Mobile because some some of the team websites obviously exaggerate some of that. So I wanted to start by diving in there, Nick. Talk to us about some of the weigh-in winners from the Senior Bowl
2: week. Some of the weigh-in winners, and first off, the weigh-ins in a typical year are some of the more exciting times you wake up incredibly early you get to watch a bunch of physical freaks walk on stage in their underwear and see them so that's a lot of fun and you're surrounded by basically everybody in the nfl world nfl media former nfl players and it's a really wonderful time but during this specific senior bowl i'd say the people who really kind of stood out in terms of their height weight measurables the offensive tackle from northern iowa spencer brown he came in at six foot Eight, 314 pounds with an 82 and 3 eighths wingspan, 34 inch arms with 10 and 3 eighths inch hands. I obviously wasn't there this year, but people who were there said that he looks the part on film. He also does seem to look the part. It seems a little stiff at the same time. When you're usually that size, you play at a smaller school, you're probably not going to have the freak type of athletic measurables. But from an offensive line standpoint, him and ECU's Deontay Smith, definitely stand out i also thought landon dickerson the alabama injured center who was down there who came in at six foot six 326 pounds with 10 and 3 eight inch hands it's a really good size for an interior offensive lineman with huge mittens that he used very well at alabama and speaking of Alabama, Najee Harris came in at 6'1", 230 pounds. I mean, that's just compact, man. And That's what you see from someone like Najee Harris. He's the Alabama running back, somebody who could possibly be a first round pick in this draft. And then you also have guys like Hunter Long, the Boston College tight end. He's somebody that the tight ends down there i guess you can say they're not all that exciting but he came in at six foot five with an 83 inch wingspan 33 and three fourth inch arms and he reportedly blocks very well i haven't gotten to his tape quite yet but that's a solid size for a tight end and then there's somebody who we're going to talk about a lot on this podcast and that's quinn Miners from wisconsin whitewater for those of you who do not know wisconsin whitewater is a division three program and this kid landed in the senior bowl There's typically usually one or two smaller school division two II, division three guys down there every year Miners got the in because dickerson ended up getting injured towards the end of the season so Miners gets invited and i actually i'm friends with somebody who helped coach Miners, owen reese he's a good follow on twitter and he was telling me about quinn Miners last year at the senior bowl we were sitting in the bleachers watching the offensive line and the defensive line and he was telling me about this kid and this kid went down there and he absolutely dominated he's 320 pounds but he carries it very very well he wears the crop top has the belly hanging out but he looks Solid, And he was also a wrestler. So he's somebody who had to cut weight in college, then put it back on. And he goes down to the Senior Bowl, man. And he really held his own from a functional play strength standpoint, from an athletic standpoint, from refitting his hands. He did everything that he could for himself. And it kind of reminds me of Ben Barch last year. If you remember? He was a fourth-round pick from the Jacksonville Jaguars. Everyone kind of lost their minds over him because on NFL Network, he was talking about how he had this crazy concoction that he would eat before like every practice that included like Mountain Dew and freaking Doritos in in a smoothie or something absolutely ridiculous reminded me of him and Ali Marpet just from the fact that they were small school guys who came in and competed very well against power five dudes
1: yeah let's start there with minors because he's been the talk of the senior bowl week everyone who's followed senior bowl coverage has talked about minors he has reminded people of Ali Marpet like you said a player who again came from a small school was drafted by the Bucks and ended up being an excellent value pick for them. He's still playing at a high level when healthy on that offensive line, and like you said, he reminded some people of Barch, a guy who we talked about extensively last year. I, if I remember correctly, Barch was on our Day Three targets list for the Giants, somebody we wanted them to take a look at on Day Three. Obviously, the Giants ended up going two offensive tackles on the first day, on the first two days of the draft, so they didn't need exactly to go back to that tackle route. And just like with Barch, I think with Miners at six foot three he's likely to be kicked inside at the next level. I mean, we say that, and then who knows, because obviously there's examples where that goes the opposite way. Um, the kid for who the Patriots drafted out of Georgia a couple years ago, who I really like. Isaiah injured. Wynn. Isaiah Wynn. He got injured. His career's kind of been sidetracked because of the injuries, but he's someone who I think has proven when healthy he can compete on the outside and he's fine on the outside I'm not a big believer in that I remember Tristan Wirfs was billed with that but at six foot three it's probably a little bit and and especially with that wingspan and it's nothing too special there yeah he he played interior offensive line in college as well too and so he'll probably have to stick there Um, and then as far as the Giants go I don't know exactly if they're going to be in the market probably for these interior guys now you should never say no because I think under with Gettleman and with Judge they'll probably look to compete continue drafting day three linemen at least one per year i would think potentially just to kind of build that you know that core that offensive line especially if they continue in the direction of rotating linemen in giving people more more people reps than normal teams do but he's definitely somebody to keep an eye on where do you think he's kind of positioned himself now heading into i guess the next phase of this pre-draft process
2: i would say minors is probably going to be a third to fourth round pick he could slide into the beginning of day three somewhere around there the thing is it's a pretty deep offensive line class a lot of people kind of like a lot of these offensive linemen and I think it's just a deep class in general but it's also a class where there's a lot of uncertainty because a lot of these players didn't play we saw Nico Collins who everybody pumped up a lot after 2019 he goes into 2020 opts out he's the Michigan wide receiver he goes down to the senior bowl he absolutely dominates Ambry Thomas a cornerback from Michigan as well opted out of the season had a solid showing at the senior bowl so how are NFL teams going to value these people who have absolutely no 2020 tape but did well down at the Senior Bowl. That's a testament to these guys' ability to play football. You haven't played in, what, 300 days? You haven't played the sport you were able to go down and compete against players who played, you know, some of them 12 games this season, at least those SEC guys. But for Miners, somebody who didn't play this year because Division 3 didn't play, he's somebody who just off of three... Days might have jumped into like the fourth round which is kind of nuts I mean I didn't watch any of his tape from college but people that I respect and I know in the industry said that they had like you know a sixth seventh round grade and he comes down the senior bowl competes against power five guys and really shows up and that jumped him a couple rounds it kind of just shows you how much NFL teams put into all-star events like the senior bowl
1: yeah there's no doubt about it and let's transition a little bit to the defensive side of the ball where I think there's a slew of prospects the Giants could be interested in there's still Several positions on the defensive side of the ball. It's a little more defined where the Giants needs are, at least in my mind, especially if they we assume they're gonna move forward with Jones at quarterback, Barkley at running back. Pretty safe there, safe bets to make there that they won't be investing day one, day two picks there. We know they need receivers. Maybe they'll get a tackle. Unlikely, but maybe they invest early in a tight end. But on the defensive side of the ball, there's a lot of positions that they could look to from players that compete in the senior bowl. So let's start with the weigh ins there and people that caught your attention.
2: Well, so everyone was talking about after the weigh-ins, Janarius Robinson, Florida State edge. Now his measurables are crazy: six foot five, two sixty-six, eighty-seven inch wingspan, thirty-five and three-fourth inch arms, which is insane for an edge prospect, and eleven-inch hands. That is ideal measurements. That is this guy's going to get drafted just off of that. But when you turn the film on, I don't necessarily see it all that much. He didn't really flash as much as I really would have hoped during practice. If he did, we, he could have skyrocketed up boards just like we have just talked about with minors. But I didn't really necessarily see that. And then you had Notre Dame's Adetokounmpo ugandiji he's six foot four 256 incredible wingspan incredible arm length and he actually dominated one-on-one pass rushing reps i turned on his film i watched his film at college i didn't see the player that i saw in mobile i saw a better player in mobile to be honest maybe i have to die back into his film but he really made himself some money this week it really just seemed like winning pass rushing reps showing an array of pass rushing moves using his feet in conjunction with his hands very very well he really showed up i think osa odigizuba who was owa's younger brother from ucla positional versatility he weighed in very very well 280 pounds he's only six foot two but the fact that he's six foot two compact 280 carries it well 84 inch wingspan 34 and 1 8 inch arms with 10 and 3 4 inch hands i mean those are some really interesting measurables and you can have natural leverage because you're only six foot two that's really really good for him then you have ifitu melifanwu that is obi melifanwu's younger brother he's He's one of the longer cornerbacks that were down there. There were a couple other safeties that were really long. Hamza Nazarela Dean from Florida State, 82 and 3/4 inch wingspan, 32 and a half inch arms. He's somebody that I feel like would fit very, very well with Patrick Graham. And I also think Ohio State's Baron Browning, who's a linebacker who has some pass rushing upside, 10 inch hands, 6 foot 3, 241 pounds, which kind of like an old school type of linebacker but i think he would actually fit kind of well with what patrick graham does with their with their fronts so i think they're just a lot of defensive guys that kind of had incredibly long arms were very very tall have solid weight and you combine all that with their athletic ability with someone like baron browning who can also cover it's it's very very interesting especially with browning who's 240 pounds
1: yeah you go over Oa's oh, brother osa digizua i mean anytime giants fans hear that name they're probably a little skeptical as they pretty much should be i mean that was A Jerry Reese pick that I thought was going to be a slam dunk ended up being a bust. It really opened my eyes to just kind of the process and the importance of getting to know the player from the personality standpoint and from, you know, how much they love the game of football, how much does it mean to them, how important is it to them, and obviously you got to take into account the injury situation. I mean, Oa was dealing with major injuries coming out as a prospect and it ended up derailing his career in, in ways too so it was a combination of that i don't know anything about his brother i'm not sure obviously at six foot two 280 i don't know exactly if he's the perfect fit for this system but like you said that that low center of gravity gives him natural leverage and he's somebody to keep an eye on i think i'm most intrigued out of this group by baron browning the linebacker from ohio state that you discussed because as you mentioned there could be a fit for him in this specific system. And I think what you're looking for out of these group out of this group of Senior Bowl players is system fits on the defensive side of the ball. The Giants are not in the lucky position. They've positioned themselves to be in a spot where they can target guys in the drafts coming up that maybe other teams have rated lower on their boards. But the Giants have them rated higher specifically because they fit Patrick Graham's system. It's a unique system. It's not run by every defensive coordinator. It's not even a variant of what most defensive coordinators or some defensive coordinators run. There are a few teams who are running similar system to what the Giants put out there, but there's not, there's not many. And they limit the pool of teams. By having such a unique system, it kind of gives them a different kind of pool of players to choose from. So we'll be looking throughout this draft process for potential system fits for guys who may be ranked higher on the Giants board than other boards. And I'll keep an eye on him as we move forward. But let's take a look at some of the weighing losers on both sides of the ball.
2: Before we get into that, I just want to uh, jump on Jordan's Smith, who was the UAB linebacker, six foot six, two hundred fifty-five pounds. They used him a lot on the edge, and I think he's somebody that not a lot of people are talking about that showed some good bend and some good reps during practice. I also like this teammate, Austin Watkins, who was a receiver. But let's get into those losers. Drake Jackson, the center from Kentucky. He came in undersized, man. Thirty-one and one eighth inch arms, two hundred ninety pounds, six foot one. That is not ideal. I saw him make a couple of nice reach blocks on the outside zone type runs in team periods he was doing that well but in one-on-ones he was just kind of getting just getting clapped around if we're going to be real his arms aren't long enough he can't establish contact he allowed defensive linemen to get their hands inside and they would just rip him down he was outweighed by 40 pounds on some reps it just wasn't a great showing from away-in standpoint especially when you look at his hand size they're eight and one-eighth inch hands like that is really really small for an offensive lineman I mean I think Dan and I both have bigger hands than that and we do not play football so (laughs) that's definitely not a great sign for Drake Jackson from Kentucky Wyatt Huber and the edge from Kansas State I thought he had an up and down week in practice but he measured in with sub 30 inch arms and when you have sub 30 inch arms as an edge rusher you're, you're you're limited to basically being a pass rushing third down pass rushing guy and even then your moves are severely limited because you're not going to be able to ever establish contact or dictate a rep because you're at such a severe disadvantage with that length i thought aaron robinson who is arguably the best cornerback down at this event the ucf cornerback he come he came in at sub six foot which just isn't ideal 74 and one-eighth inch wingspan 30 inch arms eight and three-fourth inch hands they're not ideal but just in drills he looked really really adept and i thought he was a pretty damn good football player out there and then there was robert rochelle the cornerback from central arkansas his website had him listed at like six two he's five eleven. he has 32 and three eighth inch arms which is fine but when you're listed at six foot two and you come in the weigh-ins and you're five foot eleven that's not great and he looked pretty lost out there i mean he has some athletic upside but he was getting burnt and i mean he had a tough draw this is a smaller school kid who has to go up against some really damn good football players like Kadarius Toney. So, I mean, you're not going to shy Smith. You're not going to win those matchups coming from a smaller school, but he definitely looked out of place in the first practice.
1: Yeah, and if you think about Hubert, the edge from Kansas State, if you're an edge with short arms, it's going to be tough. You could get the Bradley and I treatment. And I was a decorated pass rusher in college and lasted all the way until I think the fifth round when the Cowboys selected him. And even through the season where the Cowboys dealt with massive injuries across that defensive line, he never really made his mark it's going to be tough for those edges who don't have kind of the length to use their hands and to use it to their advantage let's talk about the actual week of practice and some people who stood out we'll start with players of note from the american team which was coached by the carolina panthers and matt rule all right let's start with matt rule coaching this team because he obviously made some headlines and caught some attention because a lot of people liked his hands-on approach and the way he coached this group this unit and obviously you know and the ESPNU played that clip of him kind of breaking it down with the players and discussing with them I don't want you know I don't want yes sirs I just want you guys to get better and to work hard and practice together and you know I want this week to be about you guys what did you take away from what you saw from rule
2: rule seems like an excellent teacher somebody who's going to get after you if you mess up but then teach you how to do it correctly attention to detail was everything with him from basically every position group which was amazing because he you wouldn't be able to tell and i think someone brought it up on the telecast to, uh today you can't tell what he specializes in because he knows what he's talking about when he's doing the corners when he's talking to the edge group when he's doing the defensive line, and you go to the wide receivers and the quarterbacks. So I I was really impressed with what Matt Rule was able to do. And the fact that the camera was following him, that was great for the football community and people who just want to see how a NFL coach kind of gets after his players. It was it was really, really interesting.
1: Yeah, and he coached up some interesting quarterback prospects, Matt Jones and Jamie Newman. So Newman is the one I want to start with, because he has some tools. He's an interesting prospect heading to this class. He's not talked about much. He's probably going to end up lasting all the way to day three based on recent draft classes and how these type of prospects have fallen i remember two years ago the quarterback the colts took out of washington jacob Eason. he was projected oh maybe he's a day one guy You can you know the ball jumps out of his hand maybe someone will take him in day one he didn't last. he lasted all the way until i believe day three and i think the same will happen with a guy like newman but the ball jumps out of his hands i still think he's a really raw prospect but it's interesting to watch the ball jump out of his hands i want to get your thoughts on him but i also wanted to talk about mac jones because you watch Mac Jones and he was getting a lot of praise from obviously the guys over there at ESPNU Lewis Riddick was <laughs> compared him to Tom Brady at one point I think another guy on the broadcast also compared him to Tom Brady which was interesting to say the least but I'm watching Mac Jones and you know when you watch someone like him he doesn't have the natural athleticism that Daniel Jones has as a prospect and had at that senior bowl he's not quite as big quite as tall but he throws the ball really naturally. He throws with anticipation. It seems like he does an excellent job of processing, and he has really good touch from an arm talent, processing, and anticipatory throwing standpoint. He reminds me of a, a, you know, a very on-par prospect what Jones was coming into the draft, so I'm really intrigued to hear your thoughts on him. After watching him this week and watching him at Alabama, I think if you're going to use the number six overall pick on a guy like Daniel Jones, then... NFL teams everywhere should at least be using a first round pick, even if it's a late one on a prospect like Mac.
2: Yeah, that stuff's so individualized and we know how Dave Gettleman is. He kind of just fell in love with Daniel Jones down there at the Senior Bowl and invested that pick with all the quarterbacks that are in this draft. I don't know if that's going to happen with someone like Mac Jones. He could definitely end up sliding to the end of the first round. I think that would be too rich for me personally. I think he went down there, made himself some money. They made that very, very abundantly clear on the telecast about how he goes down there and, you know, Zach Wilson didn't have a chance to go there. Trey Lance doesn't have a chance to go there. So does Mac Wilson make any kind of leaps over those types of players? I would say no, but... Maybe someone like Kyle Trask, who had an opportunity to go there, hurt his ankle in that SEC title game and did not end up going there. And everyone just raved about Mac Jones down there, his ability to process, his ability to absorb the playbook, his ability to lead, his likability factor. There were a lot of great things that Mac Jones showed. I thought he showed a lot of good ball placement. He doesn't have the biggest arm. He doesn't have that type of cannon. That's not really his game. But from a mental standpoint, a lot of people rave about what he's able to do, and he did nothing but make himself more money at this event. As for Jamie Newman, Jamie Newman went to Georgia, couldn't beat out Jake Fromm, and then he ended up transferring to Wake Forest, balling out in 2019, and then opting out of the season along with Sage Surratt, his wide receiver, because of COVID-19. Look, I think he has a lot of tools. He throws with really good velocity. He has a lot of zip on the football, but he made a lot of questionable decisions making uh making throws during practice throwing into triple coverage trying to force the ball not really being decisive kind of caving into the pressure didn't have the best week down here but the tools that he has is going to get him drafted along with the pedigree of just being a i want i don't remember if he was a five star i don't really want to be quoted on that but i think he was highly regarded coming out of high school goes to wake forest has that one good season but uh, he didn't really do all that well but he showed off his arm talent I'll, i'll give him that
1: Yeah, I'd have to take a look at the back end of the board, but I would consider, and we'll talk about this later as the process goes, making a friendly wager with you about where Mac Jones might end up because as far as what I've seen from Jones, both obviously watching every Alabama game this year and watching these practices, if you're going to take a prospect like Daniel Jones at six, you can take a prospect like Mac Jones in the first round because to me... I don't, and this is the same reason they raved about Jones at the Senior Bowl. He processes the playbook well, he, you know, is a very big lead, he's a good leader, he's leading his men, he's leading his teammates, but as far as what I've seen from the two quarterbacks at Duke, Jones at Duke, and then Mac at Alabama, Mac Jones processes better post-snap than Jones and than Daniel, and I think the arm talent is pretty comparable to me.
2: Well, that brings up the whole question that not a lot of people want to acknowledge, but I think it's a legit question, Daniel Jones shouldn't have been drafted in the top 10.
1: Well, yeah, we can we can go into potential. of We're so far past that point, yeah. I don't think it really matters. Yeah. The fact of the matter is Dave Gettleman went into that draft class and said before the draft class two months before, I want to go off to the sunset and retire knowing I got the Giants my franchise quarterback. Kyler Murray was never in play for them. Even though they didn't like him anyway, from what I've heard, and so they can, they needed to convince themselves on someone. They convinced themselves on Jones, which is fine, because Jones has shown the potential to potentially be the Giants' guy. But my point is, since Jones has shown enough to both me and you right now that we're not like completely ruling him out, we're both like, okay, this guy could be the Giants' future quarterback. That to me just shows that a guy like Mac is worth an investment. The opportunity cost, I understand that argument, but there's nothing more important than landing quarterback. And so if you're going to use a late one on a guy like Mac, I feel like I've seen enough out of Mac. And obviously he doesn't have the athleticism. That's a big knock on him, especially in today's NFL. But if he can make up for that just by processing fast and getting of the football fast, like a Rivers type, I don't know. It's it, interesting to me. It,
2: it's definitely interesting. He had a couple it, standout throws, I thought, in this Yeah, practice. yeah, absolutely. He definitely did. He threw with touch and anticipation and did all the things that you kind of want from that standpoint. I also think what may end up hurting him is the fact that there's going to be like six yes. veteran quarterbacks who are going to be available and another five quarterbacks who are going to be drafted maybe above him mm-hmm. maybe you could say four for sure if you just go with obviously trevor lawrence fields wilson and then trey lance and then it's going to be between him and trask probably for that right final that fifth spot i should say and i mean i'd be all four all five of them or all six of them getting drafted in the first round that'd be awesome because that means somebody else will be available for the giants at 40 yeah exactly
1: and we'll have to see what happens you're right there's so much there's going to be so much quarterback movement this offseason between Watson Stafford potentially Matt Ryan potentially Jimmy Garoppolo it's
2: it's insane when you're it's really gonna be Jared, Goff. Did you really think going to be
1: crazy offseason potentially Goff Bro did
2: you see Les Snead's uh, interview yeah. About Jared. Like he was so he's like, yeah, right now he's a, he's a ram right now. <laughs> like it was so like they they
1: don't really have many options. They can't cut him. They'd have to pay it's him insane, more. They'd have to find dude. a trade partner based on the
2: cap situation there. Could and could could you not sell that anymore if you're like if you're the general manager? Literally he's like, yeah, he's on the roster now. We'll see what happens. I mean, I think they they showed it enough just at the end of
1: that season in the playoffs when they literally were going to start <laughs> John Wofford over him in that playoff game and they did start him and goff had to come in and play for the injured wofford so it's interesting to see i just feel like when i watch mac jones i see enough there that if teams are willing to to take a shot on daniel i think mac might be end up being a first rounder but let's talk about other players and other positions because that offense the american team with the panthers had a guy who's been very buzzy right now on draft twitter a player who is seen and viewed as kind of the next human joystick as they used to call Terry Cohen before his injuries, but completely different player because it better obviously plays a different position, wide receiver, better route runner, and has other aspects of his game that are more advanced as just a football player. And that's Kadarius Tony out of Florida, the other skill player there, in addition to Kyle Pitts. What did you make of Tony? Do you feel like he is somebody who should be on the Giants radar?
2: Yeah, I do. If the Giants end up trading back, I think at eleven it would be a little rich. But Kadarius Tony possesses all of the explosiveness and burst and ability to separate that you want from an athletic standpoint. I mean, he has solid hands, but he literally is one of those human joysticks. I mean, there's usually like two in every draft class. It's kind of devalued at this point. But if you get him in space, he's going to make you miss. He'd be a dangerous kick returner or pump returner. But as a receiver and a gadget and a weapon, he's been exceptional. And Florida, Dan Mullen used him in, in, in a more gadget way before 2020. And then he became a more complete receiver in 2020 along with Kyle Pitts and Grimes, the other receiver who's down there who's a phenomenal route runner, had a very good week as well. But Kadarius Toney could legit be... A first round pick back in first round everyone's trying to find a Tyreek Hill type of player someone who could take the top off of defenses and someone who can you could just get the ball in his hands and he can make multiple people miss and just accelerate hit a second and third gear that defenders just can't get to that's someone like a Darius Tony I don't think that's hype he went down there and he showed how fast and how quick he really is he's definitely a very exciting player and the Giants should uh just be weird uh just be aware of him to be honest I mean, especially if they trade back I like Tony from what I've seen. I'm not
1: so sure I'm sold on Tony with Jason Garrett, personally. I'm not so sure you put him in this offense. Let's say they traded Pack or let's say they end up going with a Sertan or a Parsons at 11, and then Tony's on the board at 40, and they take him there. I'm not so sure I see immediate production out of him in this offense with Garrett. There's just not, simply not enough of what needs to be in this offense, in my mind. I mean, if he's just sitting there running those curls, and, and that's, that's the ty- type of way you're going to use a player like this. I'm not so sure, and I and I and I am a little weary drafting somebody of his size, a receiver of his size. I generally tend to like the bigger receivers, um, but I've seen it. You know, you you watch Tony, and you see some of the routes he runs, and some of the kind of spin cycles he puts these defenders in, just by pivoting, putting his foot in the dirt, and then going in a different direction. He's a freakish player, and like you said, there's very few, you're looking for elite traits in the draft. That's what you want. You want somebody who is better than the rest of the entire class in this prospect group at one specific thing that you can then utilize from the coaching staff standpoint and feature it in your offense or your defense whatever it may be and so he's got that so it'll be interesting to track what other receivers stood out
2: to you i would say shy smith from south carolina had a solid week as well down there for the american team cornell powell but the shy smith he didn't have over a thousand yards in college or anything like that didn't have eye-popping type of touchdown numbers South Carolina's offense kind of has some quarterback struggles in his senior season he had 57 catches for 633 yards and four touchdowns but when you just see him out there and how shifty he is in space especially in the first day of practice I felt like that was his best day the third day he had a couple drops that I feel like could have been cleaned up but he was still creating separation and just making people miss in space shy could be a maybe third round type of pick he's kind of has that about him he's not really an overly big type of guy there's a couple of those type of receivers that were down there in mobile who were a little bit shiftier Um Dwayne Eskridge who we'll talk about when we get to the national team he made himself the most money out of really anybody down there just being a smaller school guy out of western Michigan and just dominating the first two days of practice he didn't practice on the third day I thought Josh Palmer Tennessee wide receiver he was somebody who escape the hell of the Tennessee offense and was able to kind of show his athletic ability and his ability to win contested catch situations I thought Trayvon Grimes had brought him up before he was definitely somebody that won on a lot of different routes and was able to just use subtleties to get open similar to UAB's uh, Sammy Watkins cousin Austin Watkins kid I kind of referenced a little bit earlier and then Clemson's Amari Rogers and Cornell Powell Amari Rogers a lot of people give him first round buzz but I feel like there's like 90 people who are going to go in the first round according to the draft community right now he'll probably end up being a second round pick he's a little bit undersized but he was an explosive weapon for Clemson and he's someone who's an absolute stud. As for Cornell Powell, Clemson receiver, not as explosive as Amari Rogers and somebody who was a bit of an enigma at Clemson because he did not do anything for basically four years. He was there for five years and then in his fifth year when Trevor Lawrence went down, the backup quarterback ended up coming in and he ended up just basically targeting cornell powell ended up getting him an invite to the Reese senior bowl and he played solid throughout the week somebody to pay attention to maybe on day three again it seems like all these guys are going in the first two days right now but i'm trying to be a little bit realistic i didn't really see much from racy mcmath the lsu receiver i thought mark west stevenson separated well and made a couple of nice contested catches he's the receiver from houston and then as i said before austin watkins subtleties That's the one thing. I watched his tape already. Subtleties up the stem are incredible, and he was a deep play threat at UAB. So from an athletic standpoint, he's not going to blow you away. He's not Tyreek Hill, but he knows how to create separation by using the subtleties of running up a route stem, essentially leaning sticking nodding shoulder fakes head fakes all of those types of things and nobody's really talking about him but he showed incredible hands and a very good ability to go up and high point balls and secure them I thought he definitely had a good week and it's somebody I'm not hearing a lot of people kind of throw buzz at right now
1: yeah it's a really interesting group how about some of the offensive linemen from that American team that stood out to you you know, what do they do? How do they win? And what they might look like or project to at the next level?
2: Should also just bring up Trey McKitty. He's a tight end from UGA, guy had six catches. Last year, he transferred from Florida State, but he's definitely somebody to pay attention to. Could sneak into the second day. McKitty definitely showed receiving chops. I just think he was miscast in that Georgia offense in that last season. So he's somebody to pay attention to. And then, as for the offensive line, man, this offensive line was absolutely ridiculous, Dan, because they had so many. Maulers. Trey Smith is an absolute mauler. He was a consensus number one overall recruit, ended up going to Tennessee, couldn't really hack it at tackle, kicked him inside to left guard, and he was just a bulldozer. I think he's a little slow-footed, and they tried him at tackle, and you kind of see that he is kind of slow feet, but he gets his hands on you, and he just drives you with his lower leg drive and his just raw functional strength. He's definitely somebody who's incredibly impressive. Impressive. And as is Deontay Brown, Alabama, similar. You look at him, you're like, holy crap. Look at that guy. He has like the neck roll and everything going on. If you guys see him during the game, if you watch it on Saturday, he's another just load. Between those two playing guard, that's a very, very imposing offensive line and then at tackles you have Alex Leatherwood of Alabama a lot of people give him first round hype I don't know if he'll end up falling in the first round in this specific offensive line class but he has the NFL frame that a lot of people look for he had a lot of great battles against Quincy Roche the Miami pass rusher Miami seems to have three very good pass rushers coming out this year and Roche won a couple. Alex Leatherwood won a few. So it was kind of a trade-off. I thought Ben Cleveland from Georgia. He's an offensive guard. He had a solid week as well. Another one of those guys, similar to Trey Smith, only a little bit quicker, maybe not as powerful as him, but just somebody who's going to be stout at the point of attack and frames his blocks really well. I thought Iowa's Alaric Jackson had a good day three. First and second day was a little bit up and down, if we're going to be real. I'm not really 100% sure where to gauge him. His arms aren't overly that... Overly long, to be honest, for an NFL left tackle, but he played left tackle at Iowa over Tristan Wirfs, who kicked to the right side. And I also thought Western Michigan's Jalen Moore was somebody that had a pretty solid week as well. Western Michigan just kind of sent guys down there, and they all ended up performing at a pretty solid rate. He was definitely somebody who wasn't really getting beat too much up the arc, handled speed well, handled counter moves well. And that's kind of what you look for from a lot of these offensive lineman, how are they going to adapt? And that's something that I wanted to bring up with Alaric Jackson. Had a kind of a bad first second day, a little bit up and down, and then he came out strong on that third day. When you come out strong on that third day, that shows NFL evaluators a lot. It shows that you take the coaching, you're not getting beat with the same type of moves. So that's one step in the right direction for Alaric Jackson. David Moore from Grambling State, smaller school kid, another guard who's just absolutely huge and wide, one of those types of guys. A little bit shorter, but he's another one where You can beat him with lateral quickness if you get to the half man, but if you allow him to get his hands on you, you're probably not going to get away from him. And he dominated some of these defensive linemen we're about to go over at the point of attack because he just got his hands inside quicker than they did and just has incredible grip strength.
1: Yeah, a few names that stand out to me most interesting on that list. Start with Alaric Jackson because if you talk to people covering the Iowa football team, and I have, I still have some connects there just from my Big Ten days, some of them will tell you that they believed he was a better tackle prospect and better offensive line prospect overall than Tristan Wirfs which is incredible unbelievable praise to give a player because Tristan Wirfs literally just came into the NFL as a rookie dominated to the extent where multiple people who evaluate the offensive line for a living are talking about him as literally the best right tackle in the NFL no not the best rookie tackle in the NFL the best right tackle in the NFL and Alaric Jackson is somebody who now didn't have that amazing season in 2020, obviously played through some injuries, like you said, isn't having the greatest senior bowl week, but also at the same time, like you said, showed that he can adjust to coaching and improve from what he's learned. I think he could end up being an unbelievable value for some team at the very beginning of day two of this draft. And that team might be the Giants. I doubt it is because they just went tackle tackle last year, but I'll be intrigued by him when he's on the board. And he may even be someone who, like you said, he may not have exactly the exact frame you want for a tackle maybe somebody you can kick inside to guard and then Leatherwood's another one who intrigues me the same way because last year he didn't come out but a lot of people talked about him as the better prospect of Jedrick Wills and Leatherwood a lot of people thought Leatherwood was the guy he was the best player on that offensive line obviously again just like in Alaric's case he didn't exactly build on that momentum in 2020 but he still could be somebody who either kicks inside or even plays tackle again obviously he has the experience playing the tackle position as well and he's somebody who also could end up being that early day two value so I'm really intrigued by them and then Trey Smith somebody who you brought up the Tennessee kid I mean you're talking about what do the Giants like they're in that power gap system with Garrett they just showed us that they're willing to play a fifth round rookie offensive guard in Chain Lemieux who doesn't exactly have all the tools you need in pass production but is an excellent mauling type run blocker somebody who can pull somebody who can get out in the run game and block well. And maybe somebody like this will also intrigue them if he's sitting around, let's say, at the end of day two, or maybe at some point even on day three, because again, you know, those interior offensive linemen tend to fall at times in the draft process. So I'm definitely intrigued most by those three.
2: You know, Trey Smith, there's medical issues with him. He had blood clots in his lung. He's kind of overcome a lot throughout his time at tennessee i mean i think he lost his mom at an early age had to grow up really uh grow up at a young age End up going to tennessee found out he had blood clots in his lungs almost ended his entire football career was able to bounce back and play in 2020 which was a pretty remarkable type of story so he's definitely the type of player that you root for and he, giant fans would love him because he has an incredible mean streak
1: yeah well that's exactly not only giants fans will love that joe judge
2: will love that love it the coaching
1: staff will love that all right let's talk a little bit about the defensive side of the ball Let's start with the edge prospects. I know there's defensive linemen too, defensive linemen we want to get to as well. Let's start with the edge guys, and there's three guys I want to get to to start. Carlos Basham out of Wake Forest, Quincy Roche out of Miami, who literally Miami has three edges we're going to be talking about there in this draft process, which is crazy to think about, and then William Bradley King.
2: Yeah, the three edges, though, um, Jalen Phillips and and Gregory Rousseau didn't play together, which was... Unfortunate because that would have been really, really exciting to watch. But Rousseau ended up opting out of that 2020 season. But let's start with Quincy Roche. Man, he's somebody that I'm really interested in at that 40th pick if he's still around. There's This edge group is sneaky deep, if we're going to be real. Quincy Roche has that first, second, and third step up the arc, has that bend ability, can flip his hips into the pocket, can corner and bend through contact. He can do a lot of different things that you really need. He can play against the run. He's not the strongest I would say in that area but he, I think he can do it at an NFL level but man he would be a very very fun pass rusher to just bring in he can play 3-4 outside linebacker 4-3 end if we're doing that whole thing but he would definitely make for an excellent second level defender who can bend the edge and win with counters because man he can really sell that upfield like I'm going up the arc and then break off that outside foot and explode back inside on an inside spin or a club just lateral juke kind of move back inside against tackles and open up their hips and just totally manipulate him. I'm really, really liking what I see from Quincy Rochet and Carlos Basham is somebody with exceptional quickness off the snap, somebody with bend, somebody who uses his hands in a very violent manner. He lined up a lot for Wake Forest inside and he was doing the same thing down there at the senior bowl showing a lot of the success defeating the guards and the centers just with his sheer quickness and ability to use his hands and counter. So I really liked both of those guys. I also wanted to bring up William Bradley King who's the Baylor edge. He was very very quick off the snap and explosive so that's just something we look for a lot because as giant fans we really want somebody who can bend the edge and someone who can just win with speed and put that tackle into a stressful environment into a stressful situation i think william bradley king somebody who might be available a little bit later he does that
1: yeah it's going to be a really interesting draft class from the sense that you get the feeling not just based on this senior bowl week and some of the players you mentioned but just from starting to study the class as a whole this is going to be a deeper edge class than we've seen in a long time, and that's a really good sign. While there may not be a Chase Young in this class, and if there was, the Giants would never get him at 11 anyway, so who cares? Maybe if there were two or three Chase Youngs in this class, they could get lucky and land one, but even then would be a stretch. But there may instead be guys that the Giants can target at, say, 40. And potentially end up getting a first round value out of them just based on how the board breaks, just based on how there's so much depth at a lot of other positions, like you mentioned earlier. There could be four, four or five quarterbacks selected, there's gonna be a whole lot of receivers selected in that first round. So Edge starts to stand out as a potential value play at 40, which is not, you know, it's pretty uncommon. You're unlikely in my mind to get value at that position outside of really for the most part the top five picks. I feel like edge is just such a hard position to find. Um, and it's not just these guys in the Senior Bowl week. There's going to be a lot of guys we're going to talk about through the process. Jalen Phillips, Jason Oa, Oa from Penn State, who you know is still you know really really raw, and then a couple guys we'll talk about throughout the rest of the process on the other side of the ball. But again, this is starting to look like a deeper edge class than usual. Usual, I should say. And how about some of the linebackers and then defensive backs that stood out to you from this week of practice?
2: So if we're going to go to the linebackers, I guess I would say Patty Fisher from Northwestern, who. He's a bigger type of guy, not like overly tall, but somebody who's just been in the Big Ten. I feel like he's just been there for like 10 years. A lot of people say he takes on the personality of head coach Pat Fitzgerald, just hard-nosed, knows where to be, incredible mental processing, very good within the box, but can he win athletically? I don't think he showed that he couldn't down there, so that's definitely something that is a step in the right direction for him. I didn't get to watch the linebackers as much as I've watched the defensive line or the edge guys, but he's somebody for the American team that stood out to me and somebody that I wanted to watch just going into the game, but Grant Stewart was very very intriguing. Now, the issue with Grant Stewart is he's 5 foot freaking 11. So I don't know if the Giants, actually, I know the Giants probably will not be interested in him, but this kid's going to be a lightning rod on special teams, and he really was just showing up in team drills, and that's something you look for. Yeah, you can win one-on-ones. That's all well and good, but how do you do when there's 11 guys on each side of the football? And Grant Stewart was doing a really good job putting himself in a position, but when you're that small, it's going to be really, really damn difficult for you to really kind of put yourself out there and, and be a very good player in the NFL unless you have incredible traits like... Ray Lewis <laughs> and those just do not Grow on trees and then I mentioned UAB's Jordan Smith who's listed as a linebacker At this game but he's more of an edge type of guy He's somebody who is definitely somebody to watch During the, during the game on Saturday
1: Yeah and how about the defensive backs
2: Yeah defensive backs the safety Hamza Dean, who we talked about from Florida State and the safety Sean Davis both had some really nice plays I think Dean did really well for himself his size checks out with how he plays and how he moves on the field Richie Grant though I think was probably the one who was the best out there just consistent in man coverage and zone coverage in team periods just absolutely making plays intercepting Jamie Newman several different times he was just kind of all over the place and he was already being talked about as a Maybe a possible round one type of guy. I think he'll end up going in the second round. But Richie Grant, he's, I would say, the best probably senior safety that's going to be in this class. And he'd continue to do that in this game and display that in his teammate, Aaron Robinson from UCF as well. He definitely was, I would think, I would say, at least for this team, the best. Cornerback second best might go to DJ Daniel who had a really good day three struggled a little bit on the first and second day had some reps that he won had some reps that he lost but DJ Daniel on that third day ended up just getting to the catch point playing through the catch point staying in phase doing well at the line of scrimmage not allowing his hips to be manipulated by some of these really really good receivers so these corners had it hard to be honest because there are some damn good receivers down there Kadarius Tony being somebody who highlights the crop if we're going to be real and he's somebody who but Robert Rochelle through you know the ringer and some of these other smaller school guys like Brian Mills from North Carolina Central but I would say if I had to pick four guys out of this secondary group it would be DJ Daniel cornerback from Georgia Aaron Robinson cornerback from Central Florida safety from Central Florida Richie Grant and then Hamza Nazarela Dean from Florida State
1: nice let's flip it over to the national team though coached by the Dolphins Brian Flores I feel like the teams who get to coach the senior bowl get a little bit of an advantage to be honest so I'm hoping the Giants can be one of those teams at some point as I think you'll get a little bit of an edge there's no real quarterbacks I want to discuss here and I don't think we need to as even as you know the Giants if they're going to take a backup long term for Daniel Jones here or somebody in my mind who can compete to win the job because I'm not by any means sold on Jones yet I mean I like Again, we've talked enough about Jones. We both see potential there, but it's not a done deal. I don't think it's going to come from this group. That is what I'm trying to say. This doesn't. This national team quarterback class is not not great. But the running backs have some intrigue. Obviously, there's Najee Harris, but I like the two backs from North Carolina. Only one was here, um, and that was Michael Carter, who's a com- completely different back than the other back. Javante Williams, who, by the way, will be on a lot of my dynasty football teams and fantasy football late round picks. Huge fan of his, but Carter, completely different back, five foot eight, two hundred pounds, and he is a lightning quick player who really intrigues me as somebody who can be a weapon with the right offensive mind. Now, are the Giants that guy that that team? Again, I need more from Garrett. I need a lot more from Garrett, but he reminds me of somebody who can be a weapon on third downs, not just on third downs, just in a good offense that designs plays for players like him he looks freaky when you watch the Carolina tape and in this senior bowl week what did you think of Carter
2: Carter they were designing plays in team periods screens hitting him in the flat they were using him in a variety of different roles and he looked very very explosive seemed to have that one cut ability where he'd be kind of moving to the front side of a play, notice a little crevice on the backside, plant that outside foot and just explode through it. He's definitely somebody that I was looking forward to watching going into this game, and I thought he lived up to the potential. But if there's a running back that I really want to kind of highlight, that's from this national team it would be ucla's Demetric felton and that's because they used him as a wide receiver he was running wide receiver drills and man he can really sink his hips and explode in and out of cuts showed natural route running type of ability and i know chip kelly used him in somewhat of a receiver gadget type of role but to see somebody who was that good at running routes who was a predominant running back and listed as a running back it was kind of eye opening and i thought he definitely did himself favors at the senior bowl
1: yeah without a doubt how about the wide receiver group is there anyone here who you think the giants could target in the draft or anyone who stood out to you actually there's a lot
2: and i want to start with the one that i think intrigues me the most in terms of the new york giants and that's michigan's nico collins i referenced him a little bit before but he's just a big bodied receiver who was that prototypical x type of receiver he's six foot four 215 pounds with 32 and arm length and he was winning by just winning at the line of scrimmage He was able to sink his hips, explode in and out of cuts. And his thing is leaping over people similar to Donovan Peoples-Jones, high-pointing the ball with strong hands and then securing it. And he's definitely the receiver that intrigues me the most in terms of the Giants now he opted out of the 2020 season like I said before but he did well for himself down there but there are a lot of receivers here I thought Arizona State's Frank Darby who was down there and he got the third day of practice when there was like four receivers who weren't able to practice because they were injured he got a lot of the reps and he really showed up very very quick off the line of scrimmage quick in and out of breaks strong hands and a very solid route runner I really thought Frank Darby did well for himself the perfect the player that I guess you could say had the best senior builders, there's always one every year, was probably Western Michigan's Dwayne Eskridge. Brought him up a little bit ago, and he's definitely somebody that was just dominating some of these Power 5 cornerbacks all week. Just winning on horizontal routes, winning vertically, sinking his hips on double moves, and just selling breaks and comebacks, but exploding vertical and just getting those cornerbacks to just sink down and drop their center of gravity like they're going to stop and just totally stopping their momentum Dwayne Eskridge was the winner I guess you could say of the senior Bowl from these smaller school type of guys along with minors as well and then Cade Johnson a South Dakota state receiver who wasn't able to play all year he was doing similar type of things to Dwayne Eskridge on the first practice he had a very incredible catch along the sidelines but he just kept making people misread the routes that he was going to do selling vertical breaking inside and just absolutely separating with his quickness very very shifty very quick and he's somebody who didn't play this year because he went to South Dakota State and I think it was a walk on there too so he's not even like he got scholarship at an FCS program so he's definitely a self-made type of individual who I felt like also had a really really good week.
1: Yeah, I think two names that stand out to me as players I would like to continue researching, doing more digging on, and are now on my radar. Start with Dwayne Eskridge, because obviously, you know, Western Michigan, small school player, but dominates at the Senior Bowl against Tough Competition. There's another receiver who had a similar path to that. I'm not comparing the two. I haven't watched any of Eskridge, except for what I've seen, you know, on ESPNU during the Senior Bowl week. But that's Cooper Cup. He dominated the Senior Bowl at a different school at Eastern Washington, but he was somebody who ended up falling all the way into the third round where the Rams took him, and people thought that might be a bit of a reach because he didn't have all the tools, though he did dominate again during that Senior Bowl week. And Cupps emerged as one of the best players at his position in the NFL. You asked Avante Adams, who's the most underrated wide receiver in the NFL, he named Cooper Cup because Cooper Cup gets in and out of his breaks. With the best of them and can create separation and so it'll be interesting to watch his path escroge. and i'm excited to get a little bit into him maybe the giants can find a little diamond in the rough there and then i'm obviously going to be intrigued by somebody like nico collins because as we talked about last year with donovan people jones a player that we wanted the giants to take a shot on in day three of the draft eventually the cleveland browns took a shot on him in the fifth round and from what I've seen from Donovan People jones during his rookie season, he looks like he's going to be an NFL starter soon. He looks like a real player. He made big time plays for that Browns offense in big spots when they had injuries at the wide receiver position and COVID issues there at the wide receiver position. And so anyone who gets to play with that terrible quarterback play at Michigan, that awful offensive system from a passing standpoint, and you know, it doesn't stand out because the stats aren't there, the numbers aren't there, but looks explosive may have the tools to eventually develop at the next level he's going to intrigue me so Collins Eskridge those are guys who are on my radar from that group
2: if you're looking for another big body type of guy you would I would mention I guess Sage Surratt from Wake Forest now he didn't practice in day three because he hurt his ankle in day two but he played the entire practice after he hurt his ankle he's not going to create a ton of separation which is going to be a knock on him but he's a very good route runner and he's somebody who wins contested catch situations very very strong hands didn't play in 2020 but he's somebody else I wanted to bring up and as for the tight ends I think Hunter Long from BC and Ole Mrs. Kenny Yeboah are two guys to just watch to be honest because Yeboah is somebody who can stretch a field up the seam pretty solid route runner was I don't want to say underutilized that old Miss, but I don't think he's reached his full potential quite yet. And then Hunter Long is probably the highest rated tight end going into this game.
1: Very interesting. How about the offensive line group on this team? Is there anyone who stood out to you?
2: Yeah, the offensive line on this team, James Hudson the third from Cincinnati, somebody who is interesting just because he was an edge prospect a couple years ago, converted to tackle. So he has all the athletic traits you need and he showed them. Quick feet, mirrored very, very well. And he adapted to counter moves very well. He's still a little bit raw with his hands, his timing, his placement and things like that can get a little bit high with his pad level. But I thought he had a solid week and people are talking about day two for him. I think that might be a little bit rich, but we'll see how this all kind of unfolds. Then you had Creed Humphrey, from Oklahoma he was stout at the point of attack for sure going up against some of these defensive linemen we're going to go over here in a little bit he had a couple reps that he lost and that makes you go oh okay he struggled against that kid from Washington who ended up not practicing in day three I don't have his name right in front of me it's a little bit difficult to pronounce and then uh Notre Dame's Aaron Banks and the Robert Hainsey those guys had up and down type of weeks. They won a couple. They lost a couple. I don't know if the Giants are going to be interested in those types of linemen. Robert Hansey was a tackle. Aaron Banks is more of a offensive guard, but they were trying Robert Hansey inside at guard as well. Those are just guys who need to play with a little bit better balance. Liam Eikenberger ended up opting out of the senior bowl i'm not really 100 sure why he was down there on day one but then he wasn't there for day two or three i'm not sure if it was injury related or exactly what and then there was north dakota state's dylan Redunce, who had a pretty bad day one was getting taken advantage of seemed to be just rusty because he hasn't played all year or he played one game i guess you could say but then he bounced back in day two and day three and held up his own against this pretty talented edge group
1: yeah and how about flipping into the defensive side of the ball with this national team who stood out to you all three levels let's break it all down who stood out to you the most
2: okay so at the edge group I would say add Ogundiji, Rashad Weaver and the other Notre Dame kid at Dalen Hayes Ogundigi is also from Notre Dame I kind of went over what he was able to do in the weigh-in portion just win with multiple different pass rushing moves if his first move wasn't there he had a second move so you know he had a plan used his hands well played with good leverage despite being a bigger guy and those are the kind of things you want to see i think dalen hayes packs a very very heavy punch with his hands and he also wins with speed up the pass rushing arc he's another one similar to quincy roche who had a very good week both those notre dame guys Osa so who i went over a little bit before and there was levi onzuriki from washington is the guy that i was referring when i was talking about creed Humphrey before I thought those guys on the defensive line had a pretty solid day Rashad or solid week I should say Rashad Weaver is somebody as well who showed a lot of counter moves and a plan I don't think he's overly athletic to be honest but he's long and I think he's somebody who's going to be in the NFL and earn a role in the NFL but he doesn't have that Huge athletic upside that a lot of people are looking for in an edge. I was a little bit disappointed with his teammate, Patrick Jones, the second. I wish I saw a little bit more from him, but it just wasn't necessarily there all week. He actually looked kind of stiff, which isn't something that I thought I saw on his pit film. And then Northern Iowa's Ellerson Smith, who they kicked inside, played him at three technique, one technique sometimes. He definitely has pass rushing upside. Kind of pops up out of his stance a little bit but has very, very active hands and reacts to what the tackle is doing very, very well. Has the counter moves that you kind of want. And he's somebody, another smaller school guy that not a lot of people were talking about. And I wish we saw a little bit more from at Tony. To me, he just lo- he's from Penn State. He just looks small out there, dude. He just looks small and he wasn't really winning his reps. You could tell he has a strong base and that he can generate some push with a bull rush but I just I wish I saw more from him and Patrick Jones
1: it's interesting because you talk to Penn State fans and people who follow that team and they actually say Shaka is one of their most productive and favorite players on that defense now that could be an example of somebody who just can't make that jump who just can't transition we'll have to see and then Weaver is a big disappointment this week because he was getting a lot of buzz heading into this week and he's someone who like you said looks a little stiff he's someone who's kind of being talked about as not having the best of senior bowl weeks
2: yeah Rashad Weaver again I think he's going to be a good football player and I don't think he had a terrible week I think he won some uh reps I think he he definitely on the one-on-one situation and he was holding his own in those situations I was more disappointed with Patrick Jones the, his teammate but Weaver I just don't think he has the the athletic type of burst that we we're seeing from uh, Bradley King a Quincy Rocher, a Dalen Hayes and players like that
1: yeah guys with the tools that you can hope could eventually become one-on-one winners in the pass rush game how about the linebackers the second level players that stood out to you
2: Baron Browning highlighted the group in basically every phase. His teammate, Tuff Borland, definitely struggled in that area for sure. And I thought Purdue's Derek Barnes was somebody who always put himself into a good position in team type of drills. One-on-ones, again, I didn't see as much of the linebacker one-on-ones. It wasn't really being televised as much. It's much more about the offensive line, defensive line, and the cornerback safety and wide receiver type of things. But in the team periods that I was able to get my eyes on, I thought Derek Barnes and Baron Browning were the two that stood out.
1: Cool. How about the defensive backs? Were anything there you like for the Giants, anyone who stood out to you in these practices?
2: I think Michigan's Ambry Thomas is very, very patient at the line of scrimmage. He doesn't commit his hips until he's certain which direction the receiver is going to release in. And even after he does, he usually stays in a good position to remove any type of inside move from that stays in phase very well and also just plays through the catch point which is something you want to see you want to see that disruptiveness through the catch point that was something that ambry thomas showed and i thought cal's cameron bynum is somebody that also stepped up and i saw him have like one bad rep I think it was against Nico Collins, and I was like, oh, what's this Cal cornerback all about? But then through the rest of the week, he really held his own, and I thought he played relatively well. Same with Washington's Keith Taylor, especially on day two. I thought Thomas Graham Jr. from Oregon had a really good day one, but his day two and three weren't as good. Nico Collins definitely mossed him on one play and actually just Blew by him when Thomas Graham tried to press him at the line of scrimmage, which is not a smart thing to do with someone like Nico Collins. And Collins just absolutely won in that situation. And I thought those Oklahoma corners, Trey Brown and Trey Norwood, definitely struggled. Brown is a really, really good athlete. Doesn't really know what he's doing quite yet. And he also had an interception on day two. That was good. But day one, it just seemed like those two were getting picked on.
1: Yeah, keep me away from Oklahoma cornerbacks. (laughs) Any, Any cornerbacks from the Big 12 for that matter. But Ambry Thomas is somebody who's interesting because he's somebody I've read about before going into this week. And I feel like you can get value from that group. The Cowboys did an excellent job a few years ago. I know we had some off-field concerns going into it, but they did an excellent job getting an undersized corner. Now I'm forgetting the name. Jordan Lewis. Jordan Lewis, who has been a solid player for them. At times, he's been a really good player for them. Um, So anyway, anyone else you want to touch on in the senior bowl? I know we went a little over what we were expecting to go, so we probably won't hit any fan listener questions this week but don't worry we'll be hitting them on the next podcast i know some of you guys have sent some questions in and then obviously i know some of you sent some in specific questions in uh for joel Corey, who will be joining the show former nfl agent salary cap expert joel Corey. but those will all be next week when we get him on the pod but anywhere else you want to touch on anything else you want to touch on with the senior bowl or anything any
2: key takeaways for the giants I think Desmond Fitzpatrick, Louisville wide receiver on the national team, is another player to watch for who could possibly be available on day three if the Giants don't go wide receiver early, which I feel like they're going to or at least address it in free agency. But I just wanted to throw that name out there for Giants fans just to kind of be aware of. And if anybody's watching any of these – Or this game on saturday look at some of these bigger body receivers and see if you guys like them as well reach out to me on twitter let me know what you guys think of players like nico collins and desmond fitzpatrick some of those bigger type receivers because that's what i think a lot of giant fans want they want a big body receiver that daniel jones can kind of throw the ball up to he's fast he's athletic like a nico collins but he can win in contested catch situations and that's something that that michigan kid can really do
1: yeah and not only that you should focus on these Receivers. and we've gone over them in depth. There's been a lot of receivers. I think we talked about the receiver position more than any other position at the senior week because the Giants general manager, Dave Gettleman, has a history of cluster drafting. He cluster drafted corners with the Panthers. He cluster drafted receivers with the Panthers. He cluster drafted linebackers last year with the Giants and to an extent he cluster drafted tackles last year by going two in the first three picks he's known for cluster drafting so i would not be surprised if even if the giants do end up going with one of the big four offensive weapons with the 11th pick and that being jamar chase Devonte smith jalen waddle or kyle pitts if he ends up going with one or two receivers on day three i really do think it's in play he is a cluster drafter or at least he has been in the past so these are guys to keep an eye on because we know one thing for sure the cluster drafting, who knows? That may or may not happen. What we know is that the Giants are going to fall in love with the player at the Senior Bowl. That's how Dave Gettleman does it. He's done it every year so far. He did it with Will Hernandez. He did it with Daniel Jones. He's going to do, I think he did it with BJ Hill as well. He's going to do it again. Someone from this group is going to be a New York Giant. I am very, very sure of it, so we'll have to see how it all plays out. Thank you again for tuning into this week's Big Blue Banter recap of Senior Bowl practice week. We are going to end up recapping the game as well this weekend that'll be a quick podcast just kind of breaking down some of the players who stood out more guys to keep an eye on in this draft class those of you want to help grow the podcast do us a favor head over to itunes leave us a rating download the podcast make sure you don't just listen you hit the download button leave us a rating and review we're getting some new ratings in some good ones and then one bad one one bad one from a pl- guy who i'm gonna go out on a limb and say is the same guy who's trolled me a couple days ago on twitter and i uh responded in a way of saying have a nice life buddy and muted his ass because that's what i'm doing now with these twitter trolls i'm literally just saying have a nice life mute and i'll never see another word they say so they control me they could be trolling me 72 times a day and i'll never see any of it but he left us whoever you are giants blue i'm gonna shout you out hopefully you're not still listening to podcasts because i don't know why you would you said, boring, comical how these two believe they know the game. No inside knowledge on the team because they're not around the locker room. I listened to the pod and it seems Dan will kiss anybody's butt to be acknowledged. First of all, we never have been and never claimed to be inside knowledge Giants reporters. We're not about that. We're not trying to report on inside scoops on the team. Literally since Mike garofolo left the beat, there have been zero inside scoops. The Giants have kept, done a really good job of, and it's also 2020, 2021 now. Oh my God. And players aren't revealing as much the players aren't as open with reporters but neither of us are reporters neither of us are beat reporters we don't want to be we're not beat reporters so yeah we don't have any knowledge of the team that's not what this is this is an analysis podcast giants blue so Instead of leaving us a one star next time, just read the description where we talk about breaking down film and analytics and say nothing about knowledge. As far as me kissing anybody's butt to be acknowledged, I have literally no idea what this is referring to. So if anyone listens to this podcast, please call me out on this and let me know where I kiss someone's butt to be acknowledged because I really am just at a loss of words. That's, but there solid, ha- <laughs> that's
2: solid imagery, right? <laughs> yeah, there. yeah,
1: it really is. But there have been some good ones. Melly Dope. Left us one keep up the great work, fellas. Listen to this podcast consistently. Keep the content flowing as much as possible during the offseason. In regards to the Giants, I truly believe Joe Judge would have parted ways with Jason Garrett by now if it was not because of John Mayer's infatuation with him. What do you guys think?
2: Ooh, that's that's actually – we'll tackle that right now. It's, we don't have any inside knowledge on the team, so we have no <laughs> idea. <laughs> that's
1: great. Just opinion-wise, I don't think that's it. I, I don't believe – that this John Mara infatuation with Garrett thing is John Mara likes Garrett. They have a great relationship, but I think they're not firing Garrett and they're not moving on from Garrett because of what Gettleman said. Gettleman is a really staunch believer that you can't give a quarterback his another sist- new system to learn, and so he wants to try to you know use the one he's already learned. At least in my opinion, a couple other great ones: Nani less, left us a five star best podcast. Big Blue Panthers, the best New Giants podcast. I've listened to them all, and this is the number one. A um, few others. Oh, Barcavio leaves us a four-star. He says, what, Dan? Read the awusukara Karamoa pod. The phrase is buck the trend, not bump the trend. I'm going to say this to Barcavio to you. I definitely knew the, tra- the phrase was buck the trend. And if you heard me say bump, it's probably because I was talking too fast and I didn't do a good job of enunciating my words. I think as I listen back to all of our podcasts on here, there's probably seven to 10 words per pod that I do a poor job of enunciating. When I listen back, I'm like, it sounds like I said this, but I really didn't mean to say that. So that's what happened there. Hopefully- that's a good enough uh, response for you and you could upgrade that to a five-star. We'd be very appreciative. But in all reality, in all seriousness, thank you to everyone who has taken the time to give us a rating review. I know I'm trying to find this one now, but I know one of you said I haven't had iTunes for two years and I literally... Redownloaded just to leave you guys a five-star review we really thank are thankful for that because what this does for us is give us an opportunity to reach a broader scope of giants fans and that gives us an opportunity to build the show into something greater than it is now and greater than it can be so thanks again to everyone who's participated in that and if you haven't please do us a favor rate review download subscribe on podcast otherwise have a great rest of your week and we'll talk to you soon